There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors Summer Sales Event. Get low as can be, APR, zero deposit, and finance arranged within four hours. There's never been a better time to get to Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda, or Cavan. To talk to us about car insurance, press 1. Home insurance, press 2. Life insurance, press 3. Health insurance, press 4. And claims, press 5. Sorry, I didn't recognise your selection. Please try again. In order to connect you to a support agent, we will need to identify you. To try again, please press 1. Hmm... Are you familiar? Have you been on that journey as you wait in the queue, as you try to get through to the department that you want to talk to for many of the utilities? I'm sure I'm bringing back some fond memories to listeners this afternoon. Yes, Jan Mulliart is a harp maker from uh, County Mead. He's joined us on Late Lunch many times. He listens in every day and he's on the line. Afternoon, Jan. Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you keeping? I am good, but I'm sorry to replay those. Uh, oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> has it brought Has it brought back those memories for you? Well, they're not fond memories, I can tell you that. Oh my goodness, it's just shocking, isn't it? The way it goes on. Like my my, I had another experience where I get no emails. You see, because my email address is aircom.net. Right. Because aircom does no longer exist. When you log on, it says, Air, welcome to Air. We're going to bring you 5G broadband or whatever, you know. And then when you log in, it says, uh, sorry, this is the wrong password or something. Yes. And you, you get no email. And it's not, it happens every few weeks. Okay, so this is this is the number of your problem. You are a, a, a business and you rely on communications and email communications with your customers, not alone in this country, but I know all over Europe and the world. So you've yeah. had this issue with your email address ongoing, yes? Yeah, that happens every few weeks. If I could change my email address to something else, you know, G, G, Gmail or whatever, I, I would because... It's just not reliable. You go out to your gate in the morning or to your letterbox and you see if there's any post. Mm. Well, it, it's the same. I, you know, before nine o'clock, I check my emails and then I go to the workshop. But there's, there's no email available. So in other words, it'd be if somebody put a padlock on your mailbox on the, at, the, at the post box, you know, and yes. you can't get at your post. Nobody can deliver. So, Jan, just to get to the number of this, is this a service issue with Air that the service is down or is it something to do with your email address? 
It has nothing to do with my email address. It's just that air took over from Aircom. And when I eventually got through talking to somebody, they said, oh, well, we have this issue is going on with a lot of people that are in business and we're working on it. And I said, well, please get on with it because I'm not, I thought it was just me. I thought maybe my email thing in the giga had been hijacked or whatever they call it or hacked into, you know? Yeah. And that's somebody, because you, you get spammed the whole time. Oh, click onto this to verify your account and all this. And you just have to mm. delete all that stuff, you know? Yes. But, uh, but, but then I thought it was my fault that this maybe somebody had hacked into my email. But it's not the case. The guys are admitting that it's their fault and they're working on it. And thank God, that last evening, then around four or five o'clock, I had my emails back, you know. <laughs> and they all poured in then at that stage, all the ones that well, were out. I mean, yeah, there's about nine or ten yeah, emails yeah, there. Yeah. A lot of them are rubbish that you don't want, mm. but at least it's coming through and you can reply to people, you know. Okay, so the problem is with the air service, you're saying. This is the, the difficult... air server is, is uh, I, I, I don't know what they're trying to do because if, if they're going to bring in 5G broadband and if they're going to run the what you call it, the Wi-Fi or the, the broadband nationwide for one and a half billion. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is supposed to be a cheap uh, deal, you know, for the mm. government. Um, I, I don't know. I, I'd love to see a detailed invoice for that, Joe. Okay, because this is making you think to the greater picture. Yes, Carlin ah. Lennon, the CEO of Air, has made an offer to say that we can do the rural broadband oh, yeah. at a cut price. But you wonder because of your experience. So you're saying this is not the first time that your emails have been down. Oh, They've been this, this happens every few weeks. I, I put it on my Facebook a few times to say, "Oh, great, no email again today." You know, mm. and then it, <laughs> the following day you might get your emails. It just comes back. Okay, and nothing to do with me. Right, you rang, they were known as Aircom, as you say, and that is your uh, uh, email yeah. address, janmulliart.aircom.net. That is your email yeah. address. You rang Air, the company as it is now known. And first of all, there's something I spotted here, and you, 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 you outlined it. The number that they advertise on their web page, there's an issue with this, is there? Yeah, there was, there was a digit short. It was 18, what is it, 1850 or 1890? I have it here. I'll read it out for listeners. It's 1890. This is what it says on the website. 1890-26020. There's a digit missing. The the six is missing. Yeah, the six is missing in the second part. So the proper number is 1890-260-260. You pointed this out to air, yes? Yeah, they weren't a bit happy, actually. Shouldn't they have been delighted, uh, Jan? That's that's an IT issue, so the guys in IT have to solve that. You see. Okay, so that's oh, the that's man. the first thing. Then they put you on to an eighteen hundred thirty thirty six ten number, but that yeah. was for sales. It's all all the numbers you get are for sales. There's no such thing as customer service, as far as I can see. Because even if you go online and you might, if you open the page, you'll see chat with us. And then it says chat not available, you know. Mm. But then should the chat is useless anyway, because all you do is type over and back to a guy who lives in India or somewhere, you know, yeah. to one of those call centers. And he, he doesn't even understand or whatever is going on. I, I don't know. It's, it's just a bit mad, you know. Yeah, but contrary to that, I had an issue the other day with uh, buying an eye. Can I name the company? Yes. Yeah, it's Amazon, right? I was buying a jet for my spray gun, see? Okay. And uh, I wanted to make sure they had it. So I rang customer service 
got through immediately. And when the conversation was finished, the item was paid for and it's on its way, right? So they were very good. Mm. The guy was in India. But mm. at least he had good English and he could understand. Yes, me. and, and it worked. It was solved. But you were actually talking to somebody. Yes. And all you had to do was click on talk to us and they would ring you. Mm. you. You didn't even have to pay for the call. Yeah, so that was a very good example with Amazon of customer service. And even though yeah. somebody is based remotely, if they know and they can communicate and yeah. affect a, a, an impact that is positive on the situation, you have yeah. no issue with that. And I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Now, we've, we, we were on to air this morning just to let them know that we'll be talking about this today. And mm. look, I hear what you're saying. Your issue is actually with the service. They provide your uh, service that your email is That's uh, right, yeah. a, upon. Yeah. and that's what you're complaining about but we talked to them uh, and they were talking about you having I know you t- it took time to get through to different departments they say to us and here's the statement uh, Michelle from Air sent us this she said there were certainly long wait times in the past but call wait times are very low now as Air has employed many hundreds of new care centre workers in her new <laughs> hubs listen to this Jan in Sli- don't laugh please in Sligo yeah. Cork and Limerick Wow, that's delightful. <laughs> so we and we did pass them on your name and details and the oh, issue. Geez, which, maybe they'll cut me off. Now. No, they won't, Jan. They won't. They, I, I'm sure they'll <laughs> they'll do their best to help you, and we hope that they will. But they're saying that they have more people on the ground here in Ireland, in Sligo, okay. Cork, and Limerick. Now, right. here's the thing: you ha- are back on the air now. You're receiving your emails. But yeah. I, I take it from what you say, you couldn't be 100% confident that that situation is going to hold. No, because that could happen again next week. You know? mm. That could happen again next week. So yes. anyway, we'll keep the fingers crossed. <laughs> oh, keep the fingers crossed is right. I hear what you're oh, saying. Um, and any IT genius out there who can change my email address and not interfere. See, because if I get a new email address, I wonder will it be rerouted through Aircom or Air? so that it makes no difference in the long run, you know. Yeah. But, uh, if, but if you could come up with a new email address that would be totally independent, so that if somebody sends me a message, uh, you know, irishartsnet.com, that it automatically switches over to the new email address yes. without having to go to air. Yeah, well, I, 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 I think uh, just trying to figure it out here is, uh, and, and uh, trying to understand your story, there are two potential issues here, right? Number one, what you say there, is it to do with the email address, aircom.net? That's a question you have. And should you go for a new address and link the old one to it? And will that help? Oh, the second issue you have is clearly it's the service. You know what I mean? The connectivity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the connectivity is probably a different issue and why that is dropping out and you're not getting your Mails. I'll tell you one yeah. thing. Um, we have an IT guy, uh, a regular Declan Bailey. He joins us on late lunch, and I'm going to talk. Oh, yeah. to, I'm yeah, going to talk. Right. You know, yeah. Declan. We're going to yeah. talk to Declan for you. Is that okay? And let's see. Can oh, we can we get yeah, to the yeah. nub of this issue? And we have put your case as well to Air. And Air will. Uh, they're quite welcome to come on and talk to us more if they feel they can throw light on this situation. But yeah. look, Jan, thank you for highlighting it. Actually, you're, you're welcome. I appreciate you it. I really do appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for joining me on the show, and we'll talk to you again soon. That's Jan Mulliard. Thank are you. Have you getting any fish lately? Uh, well, I haven't been fishing since I started. <laughs> I fished like mad in April and May, but let me tell you, yeah, I'll yeah. be back out on the lakes this weekend. The green peter is up at night time, so oh, we have to lovely, start lovely. paying a little visit then, see can we winkle out uh, a brown okay. eye. Jan, nice to talk to you. Thanks a million. Nice to talk to you, Take Jerry. care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's Jan Mulliard there. He's a harp maker in Navin.
have you a similar situation? Are you struggling with your access to the internet and getting your emails? Any issues with air that you have? You heard what Jan has to say there. We'd love to hear from you if you have. Is it just an isolated incident? Have you had to wait a long time to be looked after when you've given them a call? Give us a shout on Late Lunch. 1850 if you'd like to call in. Or you can message us as always. 86 658 free on WhatsApp, by text as well, or across social media, LMFM, we're everywhere on social media. Get in touch if you have anything anything to say on this. Heading to a break, and when we come back, there's trouble at mill. Yes, a county Meath man. His ditches, his hedges have been eaten to bits. We're going to hear about it next. Just reminding you that the LMFM Roadrunner is coming live this Wednesday from the official grand opening of the Luminous Skin and Laser Clinic, Seatown Gardens, Dundalk. So if you'd like, and they'd love you to, pop in between 5 and 8. That's Wednesday tomorrow for a superb evening with local fashion blogger, Glam Meets Girl, cocktails, goodie bags, laser treatments and giveaways. That's this Wednesday, 5 o'clock, Seatown Gardens, Dundalk, the Luminous Skin and Laser Clinic official grand opening. Now, there's a man on the line, his name is John Joe Halpin, and he's from Lobenstown, and the neighbours think he's off to something queer because his hedges have almost disappeared. John Joe, good afternoon. Hello. How are you? Good to talk to you. What are you at? They think you're spraying them, you think they think you want no more privacy anymore. Tell us the story. Well, the story is that uh, 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 talk of Caterpillars, or I don't know what you'd call them, come and eat all the green leaves off the thorn hedge. What type of thorn is it? Black thorn, white thorn? White thorn, yeah. Well, yeah. And you had the bloom, had you the lovely bloom earlier in the year? Oh, well, yeah, the one, the nice, uh, nice green leaves on every other, and, 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 and the blossom on everything. But the leaves have gone now. Completely. They... Well, they're, they're, they're starting to come back at present, but they're right. well gone. They're all eaten. And has this ever happened to you before, John Joe? It happened to me uh, four or five years ago, but not along the road. Mm. And people were noticing, weren't they? They were saying it to you, what's going on? Oh, well, they were. They were. They thought I had uh, spray them for something <laughs> to burn them off. <laughs> Why would you do that? But you know, the fellow was going mad. I should have thought maybe you wanted to see out or a bit more light coming into the place or whatever. Yes, I know, yeah. But obviously, when you have a, a lovely white thorn like that, and it's a fantastic hedging and that, when it does go, it leaves you quite bare. Oh, it does. It leaves it leaves all brown and and, and uh, a lot of webs or web or. And they just descended loads and loads of caterpillars. Describe well, them. What colour are they? Well, little black, just like caterpillars, crawled like caterpillars, but small black, black. Mm. But uh, uh, they would, if they were caterpillars, they wouldn't create a web. But yes. So there has to be some sort of a spider or something. I know you've spoken to uh, a ranger with the National Parks and Wildlife Service. And by the way, I'm looking to talk to them about something else. Seagulls, if they're listening, uh, give us a shout back. Anyway, that's another issue. But you talk to somebody there. What do they think it is? Well, they're not really sure. They think it may be... uh, 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 They call them uh, white spider, but they are are, are black. (laughs) Yes. 
Uh, you know, did, did I read somewhere that it could be the ermine moth larva? Did you? Did they well, suggest could, that to you? Well, no, but it could be. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. It, 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 somebody else was talking to the range, and this is what they suggested: the ermine moth uh, larva. Let me look at it here. Hold on, I'd be giving out about these phones, but I have it here in my hand. Well, these fellas, let me tell you, are sort of a yellowy looking with loads of black spots. Does that describe your fellas? No. Well, no, the more, the more completely black. Completely black. Black, yeah. Mm, I'm looking at them here. I don't think it's the ermine moth, to be honest with you. Oh, let's the, throw oh, it. Let's throw it out to our listeners today. Again, they're, they're pure black. You're saying, yeah. Pure black, yeah. And they they spin webs, do they? They spin web, yeah. The whole head's covered in web, yeah. Web and all these little black and they love the leaves of the white thorn. They've they've. Oh, they eat all the, uh, they won't they won't eat any other leaf. Just them. Only the town, yeah. Now, so there we are. We have a conundrum on late lunch today. Are you listening? Can you help uh, us? Can you point us in the right direction? Can we identify what's eaten John Joe Halpin's white thorn hedge? We want to know today. Come back to us. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or text or 1857-15958 if you'd uh, like to call in. We have to get to the bottom of this. I wonder how could you prevent them? It's probably a, a, an occurrence in nature. Oh, it could be malignant. You could spray the hedge earlier, I suppose. Yeah. Mm. Mm, I know what you mean. But But there there was millions, millions of them on it, yeah. Millions of them. Okay. Well, listen, the the plot thickens here. So the thing is this, um, they they came a few years ago. They're back again this year. But the good news from the, the hedge point of view, you see little shoots, green shoots. Yeah. Not so bad. Maybe, but, maybe it'll come back, John. Oh, the head, the head will come back. Yeah, that's the, the only head thing. Will come back. Yeah. Well, well, that's good news. You'll have a bit of shelter for the winter. Winter, but for the winter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, listen. Thanks for joining me to tell us your story today. Thanks a million. Nice to talk to you. Thanks very much. Not Thank at you. all. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That's John Joe Halpin in Lobenstown. The mystery of the black caterpillars. Help us, please. I looked up, Louise. I did look like, because I saw that mentioned all right. You had the story, the ermine moth. But I am looking at the larva of the ermine moth. And no, 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 that's quite different now, too. I think the ermine moth came from um, the rangers who likened it to, I think there was a story last month um, in Kilkeel in County Down where whole swathes along the road were just... Denuded by these creatures. By them as well. Yeah, and hey, they up hey, there right. kind of you're said right. it was the mild winter. There's the story. You're right. There they are. Up up there, they were saying it was the mild winter, and these creatures, I suppose, are pests, are, are native to Ireland. Ah, listen. But uh, mm. they kind of come to one place, eat everything, and then just go away, very well, far away. And I see the webs on the ditches in Kilkeel. I'm just looking at that story. Yeah, it looks eerie, doesn't it? Uh, it does. And I actually, I've, I've, I think I've solved it because there's one word missing. Ermine moth I mentioned, but it's the orchard ermine moth. So oh, OK. I'd say so that two there's, there's two different creatures we're talking about there because I'm seeing them here and they are dark bios. Real black looking. So I think that's what it is. If anyone can help me on that or confirm that. for the National <laughs> Parks and Wildlife Service. It's the orchard ermine moth I think that uh, John Joe has the problem with. There you go. Anyway, there's green shoots which is good news in Lobenstown and they won't be looking in his front window <laughs> at the winter time of the year. Will they come back next <laughs> yeah. year? Can't beat the neighbours. What are you at, John Joe? 
what the hell are you? What's wrong with your hedge there? Can you just see it? You can just picture it. Anyway, you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let me tell you, I'm so looking forward to this evening because I'm going to see one of my heroes who I've never seen before. Stevie Wonder is in Dublin tonight and I'll be there at the O3. And I'm just thrilled to go and see him. You know why? Ah, because I've loved his music all my life and uh, he's going to play a great set. Hopefully he'll play, uh, they've sort of detailed what he's playing at the minute. But there's one song very special to us at home because it was the song that played on the day we got married. Yes, it was our first song we danced to and it was released on the 1st of August 1984. It was number one in 17 countries, including the US Billboard Hot 100, the UK Singles Chart and here in Ireland. And it was his 10th number one back then in 84. And it's special to us, it really is. And I'll dedicate it to Miriam today because it is Stevie Wonder. And I just called to say, I love you. No news. Just 
Yeah, Stevie Wonder. And he is going to play it and sing it tonight in the O3. I know. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio After News and Weather at 2. We're off to Australia for a chat with Billy Cantwell from Navin, founder of the Irish Echo newspaper, which is celebrating 30 years in print this year. Billy Cantwell, he was 23 years of age when he founded the Irish Echo, Australia's Irish newspaper. Listen to this. It's celebrating 30 years in print this year. And the man himself from Navin in County Mead is on the line. Billy, how are you? I'm very well, Jerry, and thanks, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Not at all. Congratulations on 30 years. I want to go right back because I know I interviewed you some years ago in your home in Navin when you were uh, back here for a visit. But will you remind us again, what age were you and what took you to Australia? Uh, 86, 87, as many of your listeners will remember, weren't a particularly good time economically in Ireland. There's a lot of people leaving, a lot of people struggling to find work. And and I guess I was I was among them. I was um, I, I was quite happy to leave Ireland at that stage. Um, there didn't seem to be the opportunities available. Um, I, I was sort of um, I was pretty keen to get cracking on a career and. Which just wasn't happening for me in Ireland at the time. So, look, it was it was a case of not so much whether I'd go, but where I'd go. And um, so, I I had been to the States. London didn't really appeal to me. Europe had yet to, I guess, o- open up really as an option. Um, so I thought I'd try my luck in Australia. The weather was good. <laughs> you get you could get a work and holiday visa where you know you could work. You didn't have to be looking over your shoulder. And I. I figured that was my best play at that stage. So Australia was a long way from home. And when you think back then, Billy, 30 years ago, and this is something must not be lost on anybody listening today or even yourself, when you think of the communications then and now, it's night and day, isn't it? It is absolutely night and day. I think emigrating or, or even leaving the home now is a completely different experience uh, for people. Not that, not to diminish that you know it, it still has its challenges uh, even with all the communications that we have now and some people even think that it it creates more of a i guess for those who are homesick it it, it does create more of an issue uh, because while people can see each other on FaceTime and they can see each other on Skype and everything else um they can't touch each other they can't put their arms around each other and and that is, you know, some people think that that actually makes it worse. Now, I'm not sure about that, but certainly the experience of leaving, you know, is is, is chalk and cheese from, from when it was, uh, from the way it was in 80, 87. It's so true what you say there. You can't beat actually the physical contact and that's a, a debate for another day. Just come back to when you went and at 23 years of age, you decide in Australia. What was your plan? What did you intend working at? And then how did the echo come about? Were you there long before that happened? Well, I my my plan A was to try and get a toehold in the film industry. That was my uh, number one aim. I had studied communications and DIT, which sort of steered me in the direction of film and TV. And so that was my that was my initial hope was to sort of try and get a toehold in that industry here. And look, I I did get a few shifts and you know different things, but there was no regular work. So. Um, so it didn't really happen for me. I, you know, I wound up doing a sort of a series of odd jobs, I guess. I um, and then finished up in Western Australia. I worked, I worked out in the bush for for a couple of months uh, with a mining company, 
which was a very interesting experience, but I was I was very glad I was very glad to see civilization again. Um, and then uh, I guess I was back in Sydney, and uh, you know Sydney just seemed to be full of Irish people at the time, you know, and it was a very much the the start of that wave of uh, of of emigration, you know, of working holiday visas, and I guess. Uh, came from a conversation in the pub really you know we were all whinging about the fact that it was so hard to get your hands on news from home particularly about news from home you know i mean we're talking pre-internet days here um and i sort of woke up the following morning with that sort of light bulb feeling you know that hang on maybe maybe this is the opportunity i've been waiting for you know so that was really the start of it obviously the print run was significant in the early days and for quite a number of years but when you're looking at today, tell us about the changes and, and the key, say, moments when the dynamic of the newspaper and that business changed. Well, look, I mean, the Internet's been, been a total game changer for everyone. I mean, it's uh, the media is in some sort of turmoil. It has been really since uh, since digital content really got its whole hold, um, I guess, just after the turn of the century. And really you know it has changed every publication every print publication has has uh, struggled to, in one way or another to uh, to try and make the adjustment to really what is what essentially is the problem i guess for everybody is that nobody uh, is about paying for content uh, online and that was the mistake that the media made i think um the mainstream media certainly would own up to that mistake of giving away that content free in the first place, thinking that, you know, the eyeballs that would fall on the content would would deliver the advertising that uh, would be lost from print. And that just hasn't happened. So so what what everybody's been trying to do is sort of readjust um, to, uh, to the digital world um, while trying to, I guess, keep keep the print station going for as long as as you possibly can because, you know, there is still a demand for print. You know, there's, uh, like, we we find that people still want to advertise in print, people still want to read print, but obviously far more people want to access your content in a digital form. So you have to feed both markets, really, and then uh, digital still presents significant challenges in terms of, um, trying to generate that sort of revenue, but look, I think it's improved. I'm a, I'm a glass half full kind of guy, and I think things have changed. Uh, maybe the pendulum swung back towards publishers a little bit, towards more trusted voices. Um, we've all heard about fake news and so on, and I think people have become a little bit risk averse in terms of where they find their content and how much they trust it. So, so if you have a few runs on the board as we do. Uh, over 30 years, I think it gives you some sort of an advantage when it comes to digital. The challenge, may I say as well, is the waves of Irish emigrants who have headed for Australia. And you were in the mid-80s block, but since then there's been a number, and especially at the time of the crash, an awful lot of people saw Australia as the land of opportunity. For yourself in your business, was that challenging as well as you met different eras, different generations? Uh, yeah, look, that's a good question because I mean, I guess that's that's been the story of our thirty years in in in, in this business is that the numbers have ebbed and flowed um, generally as a consequence of how things are going economically in Ireland. I mean, that's the 
that really is the, the primary determination of uh, the sort of numbers that leave. But having said that, even when things are good, and, you know, like now things are relatively good compared to where they were, certainly, uh, we still see a, you know, steady stream of people coming uh, coming to Australia, you know. So there is that still that wanderlust in young Irish people to, um, to sort of give it a go. Now, the other... The other kind of people we hear of, and this is, I think, quite interesting, uh, is that, you know, we hear of people who, having been here for a number of years, they might have young family. The the call of home is very strong. If they don't have a support network around them, particularly family, they are drawn back. They're drawn back to Ireland. But what we're hearing increasingly is that after a period in Ireland, they then decide that they are better off here, you know, and which is which is which is confronting, really, you know, to 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 have to emigrate a second time, if you like. Um, and this is a problem that we're 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 coming across again and again with returning emigrants. Um, they're not quite um, finding that there's. Um, there's a welcome on the mat for them, if you like, in Ireland, and they find that they struggle to reintegrate into Irish life. Um, they find it, um, uh, and, and quite often it leads to a secondary em- emigration situation. So, you know, that's something that's quite new, and it's something that is a growing issue, I think, in, in terms of the Irish abroad. That's very interesting to hear that from your perspective uh, down there. And again, just to back to that point, your aim is obviously to tap into all comers, those who've come for the first time, come back a second time and be part of their network, so to speak, or creating a network for them with the Echo. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, you want, you know, we don't discriminate in terms of readers. You know, we're we're, we're keen to connect with everybody that is... I guess, Irish in Australia um, or interested in Irish stuff in Australia. I mean, we do see ourselves as an Irish-Australian um, uh, entity. You know, I mean, that's our, that's our area of uh, specialization. That's, that's what we know. We know. we know this market very well. And uh, so that's, that's where we, you know, so from, the, from the, the nurse from, you know, Trim who got off the boat <laughs> off the plane this morning at Sydney Airport, you know, to somebody who arrived uh, before I did in '87. You know, both readers are equally as important to me uh, in terms of trying to connect with. Um, how you connect with them is obviously very different. Uh, the nurse from Trim will might come to our content via via social media, via via Facebook. We have a very uh, dynamic Facebook page. That we've got about 28,000 uh, followers there. So a lot of our uh, digital co- traffic comes via social media. But um, And the older readers, you know, still love their print edition and they want to get their hands on that, you know. So you're trying to, I, I, I guess you're trying to deal with both. Um, and look, there is a different approach. I mean, I, I, there are certain certain content that I would prioritize uh, in, in, in digital Um there's certain content that, um, you know, would only run in print. And that's, I guess that's the way we've sort of, that's where we've come to now. Um, there's no point in us pretending we're the Irish Times trying to report everything that goes on in Irish news 
obviously people can access the Irish Times, the Irish Indo uh, online now. But but just like you have the Mead Chronicle, you know people people can read the Mead Chronicle and the Irish uh, and the Irish Times or the Irish Independent. You know what I mean? Like it's not a case that they are mutually exclusive. You can read both, and uh, w- we kind of see ourselves as a local paper, albeit a re- for a remote community. Um, so the same sort of editorial triggers, um, I think, work for the echo that might work for a local paper like the Chronicle. You know the way that diaspora all over the world like to stay together, stick together, form that remote community, as you mentioned a moment ago. Mm. Is that still the situation in Australia today, that that unity of being away? It's changed. It's changed a lot. Um when I arrived first, and and I have to say, you know, because I was, you know, I was 22 uh, when I landed. I, you know, my first instinct really was not to sort of seek out, um, you know, the local Irish club or whatever. You know, I was quite interested in uh, immersing myself in Australian life, and um, uh, and I, you know, over time, of course, you are drawn to your own, <laughs> as uh, as the song goes, you know, spend some time with your own ones. And, and you do find that you're, you're drawn in the longer you're here. And certainly when you start to put down roots, you know, you are, you, you find yourself um, gravitating towards uh, others who are fr- from where you're from. And and there was a very well-structured community that I landed into. Um, uh, but it was very different in terms of what, how people would get together. There would be county associations, there would be obviously things like the Rose of Tralee and, and so on, like points of contact. There was festivals like Ireland over here and this type of thing that would happen quite a lot. A lot of them really about an older demographic, not so much the young. Now, what's happening now is you you find people use social media as the point of contact. So um, so there'll be there's a variety of Facebook pages, including our own, where people would you know gravitate towards to find out what's going on. Um, the GA is still very strong, so that's you know people who play Gaelic games will will, will sort of congregate through that um, music and so on. But there's less of that county association type of gathering like that. That is essentially gone, um, and uh, you know, and, and like that sort of dinner dance, I guess, um, uh, gathering. You know, they've just gone. That's just vanished with that generation and uh, so it is interesting but people do still uh, gravitate towards um, people of the same background same area but it tends to happen in a virtual sense not not in a physical sense the rise in nationalism you know well about brexit on our doorstep here you have trump in america is australia still as open and welcoming of immigrants and the irish in particular i'm thinking of as it always has been well, look, I mean, it's interesting. This is something that we reflected on recently with regard to our 30th anniversary edition because we we put together the top 100 Irish Australians of all time as a as a sort of an editorial feature within that within that special edition. And obviously, as you look back over history, the Irish certainly in Australia did go through periods where they were. Um, isolated, where they were castigated, where they were criticised in this society, particularly during the First World War, when, you know, obviously uh, uh, Australia volunteered to join the war efforts, uh, the First World War, um, 
there was a sense there were there were conscription referendums here during that time which were both defeated like which um you know which is, which is quite interesting in itself but the irish community were were seen as being uh, or criticized for being shirkers for being disloyal um now, it wasn't disloyalty to Australia, it was actually disloyalty to, to Britain, and obviously Ireland was fighting its own battle in terms of uh, independence exactly at that time. So that, that created a lot of anxiety for, uh, for Irish people at the time, and there's certainly strong evidence that the Irish were discriminated against in terms of employment and housing and all those other things. Has that changed? Absolutely it's changed. I mean, Australia is a very happy hunting ground for Irish people now. I mean, and the stats really bear that out. The Irish are among the highest earning migrants. Um, we plucked some figures out of the census, which showed us that when, when, when income is compared by place of birth, the Irish are right at... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Top of the list. Um, so, which is fantastic, right? So that's, that's a really good news story. Uh, Irish people find it easy to get work here. Um, they are certainly not discriminated against. I mean, there may be other communities, I think, that you know, would not would have a different experience right now, um, particularly the Muslim community, I'm thinking, you know, and the people of Islam faith, uh, you know, are um, struggling um, with some discrimination issues. And I mean, you know, the, 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 this, uh, the com- I guess the context of that is fairly apparent to everyone. But, um, but from an Irish point of view, no, we, people almost slip into the mainstream almost immediately now. It's such a well-trodden path. Um, so I think, you know, it, it, it's changed an awful lot from uh, from the early days. Conversely, you look in from without now and for a number of years and you look into Ireland and you've seen what's happened here and you're well aware of the changes and the, the difficulties we've had, the highs, the lows. What do you make of Ireland today? Well, I think, and this is a personal view, but I mean, obviously Ireland feels to me like a much more interesting place now than perhaps 
it was before in the sense that it's shed a lot of its, I guess, insularity. It's much more of an outward-looking place. It's much more cosmopolitan and uh, and enlightened, really, if you think about it. I mean, to, to think it really did get a lot of coverage here when the same-sex marriage um, referendum got up, for instance. That got huge coverage here because Ireland was sort of locked in. Uh, Ireland's, I guess... Um, uh, the people, most people's view of Ireland was that was of this church-ridden, you know, um, conservative, pious place, and so this didn't really compute with 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 people's view of Ireland. And look, I, I certainly welcome that. I welcome the fact that that Ireland, uh, you know, you you look at um, Leo Varadkar when, like, when I was growing up, you know, the thought that Ireland would have a prime minister who was openly gay, half Indian guy, you know, just didn't. Seems seems like a world away. So I'm I'm very pleased that Ireland has shaken off some of that stuff, and I think you know wasn't wasn't doing us any favors. But look, I'm I'm not. I can still identify that Ireland hasn't changed entirely. You know, I mean, there's still an awful lot of things. And I mentioned the returning immigrants before. I mean, and that to me that worries me a little bit. The, the reaction that some returning immigrants are finding, you know, it's like there's because I often think. With regard to immigration, you know, Ireland's got a, a, a sort of a dysfunctional relationship with its diaspora in the sense that it's it's, it's either you know it's, it's motivated by either pity or envy, and neither neither of which really elicit a, a very good response. And you could probably throw a bit of resentment in there too. And that's what returning immigrants are finding that there's um, especially if they try and uh, get their kids into school or they, you know, try and, uh, you know, access the social welfare system, they're, they're encountering that. So so perhaps, you know, there's a little, there, there, there's more work to be done. I mean, but I think, look, Ireland's a fantastic place. I love uh, going back. I was back at Christmas and uh, hopefully it won't be too long before I'm back again. I always love going back. You know, the crack in Ireland is second to none in the world. And, uh, you know, uh, people are genuinely uh, welcoming and, and good fun. And, you know, I certainly, like a lot of people around the world, I haven't managed to replicate that where I am. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always a, it's always a place I'm, I'm glad to land in. 30 years of the Irish Echo, Billy. Congratulations to you. But the obvious question now is, where to from here? Well, look, 30 years is, is a good time to sort of take stock. And, and I guess... Um, what we're doing right now is trying to plot our own digital future because while print is very much our bedrock, um, you know, digital is the future. So part of the challenge that faces me and every other publisher is now to try and work out, you know, if you can build a sustainable model for digital content. I mean, the irony of this is, and other publishers might be nodding uh, sagely at this, is that our content probably never reached so many people you know in terms of all the assets we have print digital social we are we are reaching more people than we ever reached um but there are headwinds in terms of converting that traffic into um a a sustainable commercial business so we're you know we're right in the middle of that right now and i guess you know you'd probably ask me the same question six months i'd have a more solid answer for you but look as I say, the, the positives, I, I tend to try and look at the positives, and the positives are, 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 are strong. We are, we're an established brand. 
We're very, very um, much loved in the community here. People see us as their newspaper, which is something that you can only get, you know, over time. And so I'm very pleased to have reached this milestone. And, you know, I... I guess I'm, I'm looking to the fore, looking to the future with uh, as much optimism as I can muster um, to say, as long as there is demand for what we do, you know, I, I hope to be the guy that uh, that's here delivering the content. Billy, long may it continue. Thank you so much for joining us on Late Lunch this afternoon. The Irish Echo Australia, thirty years on. Really appreciate it, Jerry, and thanks thanks for having me on. Enjoyed the chat. Narls Barkley and Crazy on Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. My next guest, Paul Bath. 22 animals in his house. Is he crazy? Find out next. I know what it's like to have a heart attack, but to have two, you'd think you'd be putting your feet up and taking life easy. Not my next guest. Listen to this. Lizards, snakes, iguanas, chinchillas, toads, hedgehogs... Tortoise, spiders, cockroaches, parrots, dogs, water dragons and stick insects. I don't think that's the whole lot, honestly. What is he up to? Sandra must be a quiet woman. Paul Bath, you're welcome to Late Lunch. Sure, thank you very much for having us here today. Not at all. Two heart attacks. Yeah, two heart attacks over the years, yeah. yeah. And uh, as you would know... You know, uh, recovering from one is, is, is difficult enough. It's the mental side of a heart attack that can get you. That's the part that will do most people. You know, I, I learned a little bit about the heart attacks, having had one. And when the second one took place, I knew exactly what to do at the time. So, you know, it does, uh, does, it does uh, good to know what you're dealing with in any issue. Mm. Like the animals we have, I have to learn about the animals. Come on, come on, Paul. Listen, I know there's animals and animals, and you brought a beautiful puppy along here today. What what breed is that dog? That is a British bulldog by the name of Mick. <laughs> what age? Mick is three months old. It's a beaut. Yeah, he is. He's he's uh, he's he is. We got him for a special reason. Uh, we we would do a number of nursing homes, and we've done some special needs children. And uh, Mick is basically for to bring along to that type of event. So this is what you do now. You have a business called Paul's Pet Parties. And you, you're you out and about with a selection of these animals to people. And do people come to you, to your no, home? No, no you go. No. We we arrive with the van, uh, with everything, with, with the, the tables. Uh, we have sanitizers for the children, for their hands. Uh, we bring everything with us. We arrive, set up, and off we go, lads. See what happens next. And now, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I know your popularity is growing all the time. People love you when they have you and they experience you. Look, come on. You know, everyone has a pet or two. The dog is familiar. Have a cat, maybe a bunny rabbit, a tortoise here and there. Paul, Sandra must be a saint. <laughs> she is she is she she is actually and again you know being honest sometimes she doesn't even know what's arriving home I think she's afraid of her life now what will arrive with an elephant or something you know where did this come from how did it start as a child I would have been you know I would have I would have you know had animals and, 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 and over the years had X amount of animals and then I went away and done whatever I'd done till till it's about four years ago, 
well, initially when we got married, we homed a husky. You know, then we homed another husky, and so that was two. And then kind of, uh, you know, the years flew by, and one day, this is how it started. This is actually how this started. The uh, I was driving into the house in the state, and I saw a husky running down the road. Once you see a husky on but loose, it hasn't got out by itself. So we ran after it, jumped on it, caught it in the middle of the road. And uh, next minute, from over the wall, this little old man goes, how are you? What are you doing? So uh, me and Joe became friends. Joe is unfortunately no longer on the planet. He died recently. But Joe gave me a budgie. And from that budgie... uh, where we're at today began, where we have over the years we've 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 homed a number of animals that for whatever reasons uh, people just couldn't look after them anymore. Did you keep the husky? We still have the huskies. No, we gave that husky back. You found the we owner. Found the owner. It escaped. Obviously, obviously, you're yeah. right. If a husky's on the loose, there's something up. Yes. So you found that owner. But Joe, what was Joe's second name? Joe's. I don't know Joe's second name. Just his first name. I only know And he gave you the budgie. Yeah, Joe became a great friend over the years. Okay, so it starts with a budgie, but come on. Oh, look, when I read that list out at the start of everything you have there, you have such a menagerie of animals. How many parrots have you? We have, in the sitting room, we have uh, six parrots live in the sitting room, and they all talk. (laughs) We have one guy. (laughs) uh, We don't bring this guy to any events because he's, he's not... He's not the type of bird you would bring to, a, to that type of event. But we've one guy, uh, when the dogs come running in the back door, uh, the parrot will go to them, uh, oh, it's cold out there, lads. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's... it's uh, I love it. They also, at night time, when they've been put to bed to night time, yeah, they'll all start, time to go to bed, time to go to bed. All of them, they say they this know, and it's... They know the different stuff that goes on. Paul, don't say it on air, but would they know a bad word or two? No. That's no. great, because some of them do, you yes. know, they pick up on... And again, like, you know, it's, it, it may seem funny. It may, to other people, might that might seem funny, but it's not, actually, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there is, there is the bad words go on in the house, you oh, know. Look. But thankfully... That hasn't, they don't pick up no, on it. They haven't picked up, and we don't want them to either. You mm. know, we have one guy, Mr. Jingles. Everybody knows who Mr. Jingles is. He's the mouse from the film The Green Mile. We called one of them Mr. Jingles, and Mr. Jingles uh, is a great character. Mr. Jingles for the kids sings Old MacDonald's Farm at the parties. <laughs> the whole lot of it. <laughs> He's class, class. I just think you're opening up a new audience to uh, Paul's uh, pet parties today with me. Look, I'm going to talk more about what you have, but come on. You spent €800 Euro recently on the care of a parrot. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Is that how much you think of them? Well, the parrot actually has... Is The parrot is no longer with us. The parrot didn't make it, unfortunately, but that's what it cost... Does that annoy you that you think you'd put that much into that bird and it's gone and... Well, no, it doesn't annoy me, no. It doesn't, doesn't... It money, doesn't well, money well spent, you'd still say? Yeah, well, I mean, like, the, 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 what we could do for any of the animals we have, we have a number of animals that had to have, you know, veterinary care. 
and had to be looked after, you know. So, like, if we have them, we have to look after them. It costs a lot to feed lizards, snakes, iguanas, chinchillas, toads, hedgehogs, <laughs> tortoises, seven parrots. How many dogs have you? We have four dogs now, we have. Paul, obviously the, 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 the pet parties is a help. Is that the idea, the parties yeah, the help, fund party, the yeah, care? Well, they, 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 they pay for their own care. I mean, like, you know, as you said there in the beginning, like, I've had a number of heart attacks, so my health isn't the best, you know, it... it, it you know, I, I can't do certain things that I used to be able to do, and that's the way. That's unfortunately, it's the, you know, the leftover part of a heart attack. So, you know, this in this also helps me to you know keep sane by looking after these. But again, to the money monthly, I've never counted it up, and I've no intentions to count it up because I think if I counted it up. I wouldn't be able to deal with it, you know. But isn't it the same? And I have to be fair here to you. With anybody who has a passion in life or a pastime, it's never looked at from that point of view. And no. I understand where you're coming from here. Now, when you get down to spiders and water dragons and stick insects, and let me mention this word, do you really have a cockroach? Yeah, we have. Not only have we warned, there's about 200 in the box at the moment. Did they ever escape? <laughs> we've had a few escape artists, yeah. We've had a few escape artists. Again, you like you, there's ways of catching them. Again, you put a bit of food in the ground at night time. They'll come to where the food is and just pick them up and off we go again, lads. You there know are I mean? people absolutely <laughs> cringing listening to us today. You know those people, Paul. You know those people I want to talk to. You know the ones with the immaculate houses. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which could eat your dinner off. Yeah, you know yeah. those people. Put that cushion back there. Don't yeah, disturb yeah, yeah. this. No, oh, there's no. a crumb on the floor. You know those people. Yeah, yeah. No. I <laughs> That is definitely not our house. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go there another day about that <laughs> one. But, oh my there, God. Yeah. But again, like, just when you mentioned uh, getting out, on Sunday I was at a uh, an event for the weekend there, the, uh, you know, a local motorbike race. But uh, when I came home, I had found that the iguana had got out. So it wouldn't be just the, the stick insects that get out. Out of the house? No, she got out of her cage. All oh, right, that's okay. Did they ever escape from the house? No. No, we've never had an escape from the house. And you lived, you have neighbours, left we and have right. We a small little house in Betty's Town. It's, it's, uh, we have a small little house in Betty's Town. And uh, we have turned one of the bedrooms, three-bedroomed house, one of the bedrooms has been turned into a reptile room. So the heat in there, it's very, it's very warm in there. The, uh, a, lot of the, a lot of them need a lot of humidity and stuff like that, you know. So, like, it's a good hot room. Uh, we have in the hall downstairs, we have chinchillas live in the hall. The, <laughs> the back garden, we have a number of aviaries where we've... Well, the parrots who live in the house, we can bring them out on a daily basis and we have aviaries that we can put them into for the day, that are outside for the day, bring them back in at night time. Uh, so, like, it's ongoing uh, movement around with the animals in the house. Have you room for yourself and Sandra? That just about. Just about. Yeah, just squeeze in. Just, we just squeeze in. You know, just squeeze in. This is a remarkable man I'm talking to today. His name is Paul Bath and he has a wee business called Paul's Pet Parties. And he brings these animals to children's parties, to care homes. How many have you in total? Going on 40. And more maybe. It's 40, I'd say 40. You know, that's including the budgies and stuff out the back, you know. T- tell them this. this I think this is fabulous about this man 
the children come and knock your doors and what do they ask you? Yeah, I'm coming out to play or uh, can they come in and see the animals on a regular basis? They hey, all... Paul. Hey, Paul. Do you mind telling us your age? 60. Paul, you're coming out to play. <laughs> I was in a bad car crash at Christmas. The car ended up upside down and uh, one of the mothers saw the saw the picture on on Facebook on my Facebook page and her little son who is uh, he'd be six seven years of age the first thing he says was as long as Paul's alright we don't care ah isn't that just lovely he was on his holidays last week and he I arrived home in the van uh, on Sunday evening and the next minute I hear coming running across the field Paul he brought me home a stick of rock <laughs> isn't that just lovely? Class. But isn't that lovely in life? But here's the thing: children don't get enough experience today to see wildlife creatures like this firsthand, do they? Uh, no, and I think too. Like you know, I heard one a couple of years ago where you know, at least years ago, when people had one television in the room, they would uh, conversation would break out even if they were only arguing about what they were going to watch. It's got today that everyone has their own television or their own phone and everyone's head is stuck in that screen. And again, like going on from that, if you ask a child today, where does a bird's nest? They'll Google it. That's where we're going, lads. It's sad, you know, it is sad that this, this there's a lot being lost and because of that, you know, one of the best things recently that I've read is a little girl in Sweden has started a whole movement across the planet for for the adults to wake up to what we're doing to the planet. Yes. And that is a fact. And that is happening. Now, you live in it with other people. Are you in a detached or semi-detached house? Uh, we're in a detached house. We're in the middle of four okay. houses. So yeah, and your neighbours know about this yeah, and are cool with it. There's not a bother in, in, in the world with it. What about people? I'm sure people are saying today, Jerry, with all those different animals, do you, are you regulated or does anyone check on you to see that they're being looked after okay? Well, what what I have done myself is yes. I, I, I brought in a vet to check the whole house out, to check everything as we were kept. Uh, it's all documented as yes. to what the vet thought, uh, what she saw, uh, and she was very, very pleased with everything. Like it's yeah. very, it's a great, you know, it's it's there on black and white. Yeah. If anyone wants to see it, it's, and it's, you would not have it any other way than but that these creatures are looked after to the best. Yeah, to the best. Yeah, to the best of my ability, they're looked at, and it's not just that. You know, we have a lizard who is uh, what's called a tegu, an, an Argentinian, an Argentinian black and white tegu. Uh, we call him Terry. Argentinian black and white tegus are a species on their own. They, like they, they are, they're just an eating machine, eating and sleeping machine. He is Terry is approximately he's over a meter in length, but Terry's heat alone in his house would be today it was 92 degrees in his house. Uh, the humidity is very high in his house. He, he is fed in a certain way. You have to be very careful how you feed him, uh, as in how you, put, how you get the food into his house. Uh, he needs water every day. So 
But what I'm getting to is the question you asked. I knew nothing about tegus till I got 30. Mm. And it's the same with a lot of the other animals we have. You know, I knew nothing about them. So I had to go and learn and ask questions. And uh, this is what I done. I went out and found out about each different animal, uh, how to keep them, uh, what the best way in their houses is, like whether they needed heat mats, uh, heat bulbs, what temperatures they should be at. Uh, a lot of them need UV light. Again, these are all part of the upkeep of these animals. Like they have to be got on a regular basis. You know, you have to turn them on. I don't have it on. Uh, a lot of people have them on timers. And one of the one of the remarks the vet made was that by not having it on timers, I had to individually check each house daily that it was everything was okay. If it's on timers, you can just. You kind of forget about it. It's mm. the way society is going. You know? You're hands on. You're there all the time. Do you ever get a break away from them? No, no. We, it's uh, we're at it now over three years, three and a half years, and full time. Every day, these animals have to be looked after. We don't. We haven't been away in three years. Again, I might get to an old motorbike race. Uh, I used to do an awful lot more with it, but. Again, because of this, I've had to even draw back from all that because I just don't have the time to give to the motorbike racing because of the animals and uh, and stuff like that. I, you know, I just don't have it, and that's it. You know. What about night time when everything calms down and you hit the sack and animals? Do they sleep, or or, or is there activity yeah, during the a- night? Yeah, there's activity. Like we have a we have a little hedgehog. And he has a wheel, and what you'll hear all night is drump, drump, drump. He's running on the wheel. <laughs> the chinchillas become awake at night time. You know what I mean? Like, you have the guys that are awake during the day, the parrots are asleep, the other guys... Other and, and do you and Sandra get a night's kip? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got used to it. You know, we've got used to it. we got, you know, we live with it. And like, like, you know, you don't we need the earplugs? No, we don't. Well, sometimes you could deal with them, you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes you could deal with them, yeah. I mean... Uh, <laughs> Like the, there's, uh, we have a couple of what's called skinny pigs. I suppose they're man-made animals. You know what I mean for the pet trade and that. Like they're 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 guinea pigs with no fur. I mean they take a bit of looking after, but like they can start squeaking if the minute the first movement. If they see if they see a bit of movement, they're looking for food, <laughs> looking for something. <laughs> so like it's, it's it's fun and games at times in the house you know what I mean but I have to give I have to give Sandra is great with the animals she's yeah. fabulous you know she mm-hmm. has a heart of gold in that area you know like it's it's uh, I suppose like when she got married she didn't think she was going to marry me but not only that but <laughs> <laughs> do you have to keep some of them apart you know in case oh, one would have a go oh, at absolute. the other that's oh, important yeah, that's, well. that's, 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 a, that's a definite yeah. do you know what I mean that's a definite that has to be done you know like even the parrots can have a go at one another mm. so you have to have certain parrots out by themselves in the different little aviaries we have you couldn't put them all in together it'd be like yeah, yeah. that song of uh, Frank Kelly's you know that song The Twelve Days of Christmas <laughs> Chaos <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh my um, you wanted to say something about uh, there are people who support you yeah well yeah there is there's people who've even you know I'd have to say there's people who've given me great support over the years like you know and who helped me along the way and you know, I have to thank, you know, Concealy Pet Store, number one. Like, they have been, and they still are available to me for any 
any questions I have about the animals, like their staff and the owner, and they have been great support. You know, I'll also give a plug to to uh, Pet Bliss here. They've been great support to me as well. Like they've helped along the line. Like we've been in their shop. Uh, we actually done it. We done an event in their shop when they opened first, and we had. Uh, I was, you know, in their setup, but directly across from us was Draw the Animal Rescue. Mm. Now we get on with them, they know what we do, I know what they do, that's the way it is, but this person went over to them and complained to them about us. Mm. And as as she was told by the people from there, when you're willing to take on the animals and you look after them, mm. then come back to us. Look, I'll tell you something today, I'm going to finish up. I never thought I'd meet Dr. Doolittle, but I <laughs> have today on Late Lunch, let me tell you continued success to you you're something else you really are and well done to Sandra as well and all the people who help you Paul's Pet Parties check them out on Facebook and you can see more it's been a pleasure I've so enjoyed myself the last while and thank thanks you for much. joining me Paul Bath thank you you're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon we were talking to John Joe Halpin early on in the show about his white thorn hedges being reefed by these caterpillars, little black fellas. And Denise has been on to us from Dunsany to say, Jerry, we had this on our hedges last year and some again this year. The covering of webs is incredible. We looked it up and we think it's the ermine, uh, but the hedges do grow again. Thanks indeed for that, Denise. Nice to hear from you this afternoon. Uh, I'd like to remind you as well, staying with sport, Champions League football. Yes, Oriel Park is the place to be tomorrow night for the uh, Champions League first round qualifier Dundalk and Riga now if you can't get along don't forget the game is live here on LMFM radio on the radio and online from 7.40 with Adrian Taff and that's thanks to Boyle Sports and if you'd like to win a wee prize check out LMFM's Facebook page because you know the Dublin Meat Company they've introduced their same day delivery service seven days a week in Drogheda and the surrounding areas and it's free until the 14th July and uh, you can order online dublinmeatcompany.com and to coincide with that we have a great giveaway running on our Facebook page every day this week so go over there LMFM Facebook check that out and enter and the best of luck to you that's the Dublin Meat Company with their same day delivery service Uh, it's free until the 14th of July dublinmeatcompany.com again parents it's summertime, isn't it great? You don't have to get up early in the morning, put them to bed too early. The routine falls apart. Now, some parents go mad with that. I know when, when we had ours, we loved the routine of the school times. But summer is summer and children have to enjoy themselves. But with summertime comes difficulties, especially for working parents. In many homes, both parents are working. What do you do with them? Where are they to go? There's a guilt around it. And we're talking about it next with Sarah Cadden. I'm well past this stage myself, I have to admit, but an article in last Sunday, Sunday Independent, really caught my attention. The headline says, Summer camps can't keep a working parent's guilt at bay. It's brilliant, I have to say, and the lady who penned it is a journalist with the Sunday Independent, and she's on the line with me now, Sarah Cadden. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jerry. Thank you for taking time to join us. Can I ask you first about your situation? Are you in this scenario now, children and everybody working at home? I'm in that situation. I have an 11 and an 8-year-old who are at the park at the moment so they don't burst into the room. And um, yes, 
I've got summer camps lined up. I've childminders some afternoons. I'm lucky enough to work from home so that I can be a bit more flexible. But I hear at the school gates from early, you know, mid-May onwards, people, everyone trying to plot out the nine weeks of the summer holidays in order that the kids are happy, in order that they feel less guilty, in order that they're not, I don't know, calling in sick some days just because there's nothing in place to, to keep the kids occupied. And it's a real burden on the families financially, emotionally, and it's kind of, I think it's a bit of a no-win as well. So what's the answer to this? You know, when you think of mo- most homes, and I will say it, you need to have two people out working uh, yeah. to fund life, your mortgage, the cost, the education, you name it, and have a few pounds maybe to enjoy yourself. What is yeah. the answer, Sarah? I don't know what the answer is. I mean, when you look at it, you know, most families now have two people out working, but a lot of people would say that during the summer, at least one person is working in order that they can pay for their children to be cared for in the summer. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, the summer holidays are too long or that they should be in school more. But, you know, we're, we're kind of seem to not be giving them any free time, but we're up to our necks in, in you know, trying to keep all the balls in the air too. I mm. mean, I don't know. I read today somewhere about the idea of state-funded summer camps. Um, but, you know, is that just glorified school? I don't know. Yes, yes. And, you know, the thing is about this, in the traditional, I'm going back quite a number of years now, where you had mum or possibly dad stay at home, well, there's one at home and the other works, this scenario really doesn't arise. There's somebody there then uh, uh, mm-hmm. for, to cater for that. And subsequently, of course, you have relatives and grands and granddads as well stepping in to help. But... I'm lost as well. I was trying to think this since I read your article. It's so thought-provoking. What can we do? And it doesn't seem to be an answer. No, and I mean, I think we have to look at as well. I mean, we put an awful lot of focus on how we facilitate everybody going out to work. Well, we we have to look at too, you know, we're kind of by keeping the kids busy all the time, we're sort of infecting them with that disease of busyness mm. that we adults all experience these days, where we're nearly competitive about how busy we are, where we're busy all the time. If you're not busy, you're no one. And the kids are sort of having that drummed into them now from a very young age. They finish school. They think it's like, you know, throw your school bags up in the air. We're free. And then come the following Monday morning, we're saying, by the way, get up and out. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, and you know, you, you do allude to it. Boredom is no harm. I remember being bored as a child. Now, we, we made our own entertainment and that boredom sort of slipped by. But it's no harm being bored for a while and just chilling out. No, it's not. And I think, you know, there's I've noticed too in recent years, there's a degree of, of sort of nearly, I don't know if it's to assuage our guilt or if it's a bit more of that competitiveness that we're, we tend to be locked into. But there's an awful lot of sort of life-improving camps going around now where they're not just going around and kicking a ball for three or four hours, but they're learning their STEM, their STEM learning, their science, Mm. their maths, you know, improve your Irish, um, all, you know, different kind of camps, language camps, and you think, dear God, 
give them a break. Yes, yes, yes. I will mention one. Tara Walker, who uh, is our regular contributor to Late Lunch on uh, cooking and all things food. I, I see she was doing a summer camp today and she's packed out uh, in East yeah. Coast Cookery School. And I think that's a nice one if I'd like to mention that. You know what I mean? That type of thing. Teach them to, to and, cook. And there's nothing, I don't have any objection to, to summer camps and my kids are doing a few different ones around the place. But, and you know, I know an awful lot of families where both parents aren't going out of the home to work where they will send them to a few camps because a bit of diversion is, mm. is nice. Mm. It's much more that we, you know, it's that we have to. And it's that to, you know, I spoke to someone yesterday who told me that their husband was, had taken, had organised to take some of his holidays in order to be at home to, to facilitate the kids because camps tend to not start till say 10 in the, in the in the morning and they might finish at 3 mm. and you know most people's working day can't accommodate that so you're having to bookend with maybe a childminder or you know ask your parents every single day will they go and drop your child collect your child um, outside of Dublin I think it's harder to find the long day one but I know of a camp, I know of several camps that start at half eight in the morning and they fin- you, you can leave your child there till half past six. Mm. And you have to say, <laughs> who's feeling good about that one? No, you know? how could you? It's like a crash all over again or, a, you know, that, that care that's needed full time at other times in the year. Here's the thing. In the public service, there's a thing called term time and you're able to take it. It's without pay, but you can take it in the summer. I don't know many weeks it's for. It's, it's for an extended period, I'm sure, uh, to cover off the summer holidays. What about that, extending that into private industry? Yeah, but I suppose an awful lot of homes will say to you, I can't afford to take yes. unpaid time. That's the problem, isn't it? And mm. I suppose this is why people all get, you know, much we all appreciate the 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 teachers during term time but come the summer we all think god aren't they having a great time and think <laughs> i've become a teacher but you know <laughs> it, it, it you look at it and you think there is it is a family friendly career yes it does make you question how family unfriendly maybe the rest of our working culture is. <laughs> Imagine the whole country being teachers. Think about this, Sarah, today. We'll all become teachers. <laughs> we'll I, close. Know, I know plenty of women too. <laughs> and we'll close the country down for two or three months every summer and say, oh, sure, we'll be all right. Anyway. Let's all go on holiday. Let's all feck off for two or three months like the do in Dahl Aaron. Should most of them in Dahl Aaron are teachers anyway? I won't go into that one today. <laughs> But uh, no, and I'm getting serious again about it. It is, and, and that guilt, that guilt, you, you know, you mix yeah. with parents at the school gate, as you say, for me. It's a real, real problem, isn't it? It, it? That guilt is there. It is there because there is that feeling of farming them out. There is that feeling that, you know, they're supposed, you're supposed, I mean, we get to the end of the school year and every single parent will say to you that the children are exhausted. Mm. Like, really, you know, certainly for a couple of weeks after the school holidays start, you know that they just need to unwind, to be bored, as we said earlier, let their brains and their bodies just sort of decompress. But, you know, how do we let them do that? The way things are structured now, it's very hard for most families to do that. And we do feel guilty because we feel 
there is there can be a tendency that you find yourself thinking of your children as an inconvenience. What am I going to do with them? Yeah. And that's you know? shocking. That is and shocking. None of us like thinking like that. No, absolutely not. I just uh, should have to think what we do without the help. I mentioned them there: uh, grandparents, aunts yeah. and uncles, other family members. How would we function? We just wouldn't function in the country. Yeah. But I think you've raised something here that's very important, and it's something that uh, you talk about. Uh, you know, the council that the Taoiseach has for the think tank that he has. Let them think about this. This is a real issue for working parents and something we need to think about and try and come up with a a solution for. Listen, I have to leave it there for today. I love your writing. I read you every week and I'm delighted to talk to you today. Great to talk to you. Yeah, and keep it up. I I really do enjoy it. Yes, absolutely. And you too, Sarah. Take care (laughs) of yourself. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. That's Sarah Cadden there, brilliant journalist with the Sunday Independent. And it is very true, the guilt that goes with summertime. Louise, I'm sure you, you have children yourself. You know what it's about. Do you feel it? Yep, they're all at summer camp at, at this minute in time mm. for the week. And as she said, my husband had to take the week off because we'd have nobody to collect them. Because yeah. it starts at 10, ends yeah. at 3. So, yes. I mean, some people go, yay, summer camp. I'll put them in there and go to work. Mm. But we go summer camp. Well, we have to take off work to yeah. accommodate It's them. of no benefit to you, to you. And there are m- many people in circumstances like yourselves as well. Yeah, it is. And I remember it from my time. I said, I have to think back a few mm. years, but it was an issue for us as well. We both work and always have. And thank God for the in-laws and that who help so much. And I just say, what would we do again without them? They're brilliant, you know. But if you're somebody that has not a lot of family around you... Yeah, and uh, like ourselves. You, yeah, you, you're relying on neighbours and childcare and we have a great person that minds our kids and we wouldn't... I don't yeah. know what we do without her. It's for the think tank. Let's have it. We need to look at this and it needs to be thought more about. But well done to Sarah Cadden again for bringing it to the fore. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this afternoon. Let's leave you in the company of Matthew Wilder and break my stride. See you tomorrow at half one.
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.